0: She died with her eyes open in a garbage can after hours of torture. He was found after his body was burned and left on the train tracks. This is the story of the horrific deaths of Shannon Christian and Christopher Newsom. I'm Chris, and this is True Crime Recaps. It's an understatement to say that their last hours on Earth were unimaginable. In fact, I need to warn you that what you're about to hear is one of the most disturbing crimes we've ever shared with you, and it started on what should have been a normal Saturday night in Knoxville, Tennessee. 21-year-old Shannon Christian was waiting for her boyfriend, 23-year-old Hugh Christopher Newsom, to pick her up at a friend's apartment. They planned to go to dinner, then head to a friend's house for a birthday party, but like boys do, Chris was late and Shannon was irritated. They bickered. She gave him the cold shoulder. To butter her up, he helped her into her Toyota 4Runner. Standing at her driver's side door, he wrapped his arms around her. They kissed and cuddled. Chris was charismatic and charming. Shannon was head over heels for him. And they'd only been dating for a few months, but it was already obvious how much they loved each other. This brief moment on January 6, 2007, was the last sweet thing in their lives. It was getting dark, and they weren't paying attention to the car pulling up behind them. It happened so fast. One moment, Chris had won over his irritated girlfriend. The next moment, they were surrounded. At gunpoint, they were forced into the back seat of Shannon's SUV and tied up. Lamericus Davidson, his half-brother Latalvis Cobbins, George Thomas, and Eric Boyd got behind the wheel and took them to Lamericus' house on Chipman Street. There, Shannon and Chris were bound and gagged and then separated. This was just the beginning of the hell they would endure that night. Chris was raped. The evidence found on him didn't point to a specific person in particular, but it did confirm that he was raped by at least one of the men. After that, he was dragged out of the house barefoot. With a dog leash around his neck, he was made to walk to nearby railroad tracks where a gun was passed around. At around 1.45 a.m. on January 7th, he was shot in the neck and body. The final shot was to his head, execution style. Then they burned his body and left his remains on the tracks. Back at the house, Shannon was suffering through a long, torturous hell of her own. In his testimony, Latalvis Cobbins said when Shannon asked him why they were doing this, he replied, I'm not doing this. We're here against our will just like you are. The only difference is that you're tied up and we're not. Based on his testimony, Lamericus was the one calling all the shots. Latavus claims he, his girlfriend Vanessa Coleman, who was at the house when they got there, and his friend George Thomas were all held against their will. He claimed they weren't allowed to leave and his brother had threatened him with a gun. However, the forensic evidence showed that all the men participated in the gruesome things that were done to Shannon. The medical examiner said the rape, torture, and beatings caused horrific injuries to her body and mouth, but they weren't done. To try and destroy any evidence they'd left on her and in her, they poured bleach in her mouth and down her throat. They scrubbed her genital area with the same bleach solution, all while she was still alive. Bruised, raped, chemically burned and beaten in that house on Chipman Street, Shannon would eventually die there around 12 hours after Chris. They hogtied her with ripped up sheets and bedding, then put a plastic bag over her head and stuffed her whole body inside five large garbage bags. In the fetal position, they shoved her into a large kitchen trash can and covered the bags with sheets. She slowly suffocated inside that can. It didn't take long for their absence to be noticed. When they didn't show up to their friend's birthday party, their friends began to call around. As Shannon and Chris were being tortured and murdered, their friends were already looking for them. By 11 p.m. on January 6th, they were at her friend's apartment. They found Chris's truck there and realized Shannon's SUV was missing. The search was on. Christopher was found first. A train conductor called the police when he discovered a body on the tracks around noon on January 7th. A sweatshirt was tied around his head and a comforter was with his body. The sheriff identified the body. Chris and the sheriff's oldest son were friends and played baseball together. In multiple interviews, he said he knew it was Chris from his eyes. He had really distinct eyes. The next day, her friends and family enlisted the help of Shannon's cell phone carrier. They went to the neighborhood where her phone had last been located and found her Toyota 4Runner around 2 a.m. on January 8th. There were plenty of things to indicate her car had been stolen. The seats were pushed far back. Identifiable stickers were taken off the windows. Photos and a teddy bear she kept in it were missing. And then there were some new things found inside, like an envelope with lamaricus's fingerprints. Then, two days after her brutal rape, torture, and death, police found Shannon's body in the kitchen trash at Lamaricus's house on Chipman Street. His fingerprints were all over the bag she was in, as well as the box of garbage bags. His semen was found inside her and on her jeans. His half-brother's semen was in her mouth and on her sweater, camisole, and jeans. Shannon's things were all over the house. Her purse, clothes, camera, her burnt photographs, her iPod, not to mention Chris's driver's license and his baseball cap. There was overwhelming evidence. They were kidnapped and tortured in that house. Authorities eventually found and arrested Lamarcus in a vacant house. They found Latavis, George, and Vanessa at a friend's house in Kentucky. Meanwhile, Eric was in his own home trying to hide everyone's identities and whereabouts. And you might be thinking, wow, they finally found and arrested Shannon and Chris's murderers. It must be over now. But unfortunately, their spirits couldn't quite rest yet. The trials themselves were a journey and a roller coaster of events. Once arrested and charged, it was now the prosecutor's job to make sure Shannon and Chris got justice. There were five people who needed to pay for what they had done. George Thomas, Latalvis Cobbins and Lamericus Davidson faced a grand total of 46 charges each. Some of those charges included car theft, kidnap, rape, and murder. Both George and Latalvis got life sentences. Lamericus was said to have been the ringleader of the entire operation, and since Tennessee is one of the 27 states that have capital punishment, he was unanimously sentenced to death. As of 2019, he was still on death row. Vanessa Coleman was found guilty of the part she played in their Brutal Murders, and a journal entry she wrote on January 9th helped explain her mindset at the time. Listen to this. Last night was one of a kind. We stayed with a crackhead that is cool as hell. It snowed a little bit, but it's already melted. Let's talk about adventures. I had one hell of an adventure since I've been in the big TN. It's a crazy world these days, but I love the fun adventures and lessons that I've learned. It's going to be a long, interesting year. The end. How interesting is your life? I bet it won't compare to mine because I love my life. She got 35 years in prison, but because of overcrowding, she's been up for parole. Twice. Both times, she was denied. Let's hope she never gets released. At first, Eric Boyd was only indicted for the carjacking. After the testimonies of the others and forensic evidence, they charged him with being an accessory too. After all, he helped hide everyone from the police. Unfortunately, they couldn't pin anything else on him, but authorities believe he was the one who raped Chris. Sadly, the fire that burned up his body also burned up the DNA and the semen, so they couldn't prove it for sure. During the trials, there was a question that weighed on everyone's hearts. And it's a question we've been asking ourselves. Why? Why would someone do this? Usually there's a method to the madness. Some people kill because of jealousy. Some people murder for money or hatred. This case felt especially brutal because there didn't seem to be any reason at all. Each of these monsters said they only intended on stealing her car. Lamericus was mad that his brother and friends were freeloading at his house. But if all they wanted was money, all they had to do was take her car and their wallets, they have yet to offer any reason for the brutality of their actions. But if you think it's over and Shannon and Chris can finally rest in peace, you'd be wrong. In a bizarre turn of events, the judge in this case was found guilty of prescription drug abuse. And why does this matter? because he was high while he was presiding over their trial. He was getting prescription painkillers from 12 different doctors, including a veterinarian. In the first 28 months of his addiction, he was prescribed 2,243 pills. Because of this, several of his cases were tossed, and new trials were ordered in December of 2011, including Shannon and Chris's case. Thankfully, each of the defendants were still confirmed guilty and their sentences stood. Then, in 2019, there was one more development. From behind bars, George Thomas piped up. He said if he could get some time off his sentence, he would be the state's witness against Eric Boyd, so he would be held accountable for what he did that night. So, after 12 years, Eric was charged and found guilty of murder. He is serving two life sentences plus 90 years on top of his original 18 year sentence. And we often wonder how people find the strength to go on after something like this. Their parents, family, and friends have tried their best to keep their memories alive in charities and memorials. There were even two laws put into place because of what happened during the trials. The Chris Newsom act made it so there wouldn't be a need for a judge's signature after a unanimous verdict from the jury. It's something called the 13th juror. If that had not been necessary during the first trial, none of the retrials would have happened at all. The Shannon Christian Act makes it so attorneys and defendants can't portray any victim in a negative light. And during his defense, Lamaricus tried to claim Shannon and Chris had been to his house before to buy drugs. Can you imagine being in Shannon's parents' place, having to listen to your daughter's murderer talk bad about your daughter? To make matters even worse, the jury wasn't allowed to be told that he had been convicted of a carjacking before. They couldn't talk about the carjacking, but they could spread rumors about Shannon buying drugs. It's unbelievable. In 2008, that house of horrors was demolished and a memorial was put in its place. And that's your recap thank you for spending your time with me today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, it would mean a lot if you took a second to give this a like and hit subscribe and the bell so you never miss a recap. Amy and I are here every week with new recaps. Until next time, stay safe.